Hamlet podcast, episode 24. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. Last week, we had a look at the first of Polonius' big moments as he gives his various precepts and advice to Laertes, who at this rate seems unlikely to leave for Paris at all. Within this family portrait of father, son and daughter, of course, there's an absence. Polonius's wife, the mother of these two children, gets no mention whatsoever in the play. In researching this absence, I wondered if I could find any scenes of mothers and daughters together on the stage in Shakespeare's plays. They are remarkably few and far between. There's the Queen of France and her daughter Catherine in Henry V, Mistress Page and her daughter Anne in The Merry Wives of Windsor, Paisa and her daughter Marina in Pericles, Hermione and her daughter Perdita in The Winter's Tale, Lady Capulet and her headstrong child in Romeo and Juliet, and perhaps their distant cousin, the widow Capulet, and her daughter Diana, who is instrumental in making sure that all's well that ends well. Clearly scenes with mothers and daughters posed a casting problem for Shakespeare, writing as he was for an all-male acting company. There are approximately 1,200 characters in all of the plays give or take, and about 150 of them are female. These include some of the greatest female characters ever written, but the numbers don't lie. It was clearly a lot easier for Shakespeare to put men than women on the stage. Happily, we now live in a time that doesn't have the restrictions of Elizabethan or Jacobean England, and very interesting work is happening trying to challenge the received notions of gender for Shakespearean actors. But this still leaves us with an absent Mrs Polonius, I'm intrigued that she gets no reference at all. Obviously, we can assume that she is dead, and therefore that this is a family that has already mourned together. And I mention this because the grief that follows Polonius's death later in the play causes such extraordinary changes in both of the bereaved children. For now, let's get back to the text. We pick up with Laertes finally managing to get to France. Now that he can get a word in, he bids his father a third farewell. Most humbly do I take my leave, my lord. The time invites you. Go, your servants tend. Polonius now perhaps gives the siblings room for their final farewell. Laertes, rather like his father, can't let it go, but insists again on his message to his sister. Farewell, Ophelia, and remember well what I have said to you. "'Tis in my memory locked, and you yourself shall keep the key of it." These two half-lines together, between the brother and the sister, have too many beats for a neat line of blank verse. Does Shakespeare perhaps mean for Ophelia to cut her brother off, filling in the line and reassuring him? Personally, I do like to think so. But we get to the point now, and one last time, Laertes, as he exits, says, Farewell. In the ensuing pause, there's room to see something of the relationship between Polonius and Ophelia. Perhaps the best staging of this scene that I have ever encountered was the Ninagawa production in 1998. And indeed, for details of all eight versions of Hamlet that he made, feel free to visit our bonus section on the website, and indeed you can also listen to the episode dedicated to him. Ninagawa staged this scene with Ophelia arranging the doll display for the doll festival in Japan. This is an annual ritual in which a tiered stand is arranged with dolls representing the court. 
It's a tradition that is believed to bring good luck and auspicious marriages for girls. So it's a perfect setting for Ophelia to be getting all of this romantic advice from Laertes while she herself is arranging the dolls and perhaps fantasising about marrying the future king. Not only that, this tradition is customarily one between mothers and daughters. So for a Japanese audience watching this quiet moment now between Polonius alone with his daughter Ophelia as she arranges the dolls, the mother's absence was even more striking. In this moment after Laertes departs, we see Polonius's true colours start to come to the fore. For all of his gentle bumbling and speechifying, there's a very canny operator at work too. Barely seconds after Ophelia has promised to keep Laertes' advice to herself, he's on the case. What is Ophelia he hath said to you? Quick as a fox, really. He doesn't give it a moment. Poor Ophelia is immediately compromised and manages as vague an answer as she thinks she can get away with. So please you, something touching the Lord Hamlet. She doesn't tell everything, just a little bit, but now Polonius holds forth again. Marry, well bethought. Tis told me he hath very oft of late given private time to you, and you yourself have of your audience been most free and bounteous. If it be so, as so tis put on me, and that in way of caution, I must tell you, you do not understand yourself so clearly as it behoves my daughter and your honour. What is between you? Give me up the truth. Here, Polonius manages to make things sound terribly bad indeed. He even begins with an oath. Mary is a version of the Virgin Mary, and using her name as such was an expletive. Polonius is annoyed. He explains that he's already heard that Hamlet has been spending private time with Ophelia, and that she likewise has been free and bounteous with her own time, allowing him to spend it with her. Polonius seems almost incapable of just saying the simple version of things. Never just, I hear you've been spending a lot of time together. Likewise, he continues trying to explain that if this is indeed the case, as someone told him as if to warn him, and so on, etc., if it be so, as so tis put on me, and that in way of caution, you can really hear just how flustered he is about this. He wriggles his way through all of these connected clauses and gets to the point, saying, I must tell you, you do not understand yourself so clearly as it behoves my daughter and your honour. Some pronunciations might say behooves as well. Concerned father is here, concerned, about how her behaviour will affect his reputation, as well as how her behaviour might impact on her own honour. In that order. And indeed, the folio version is even more mercenary, saying, as it befits my honour and your credit. In most other plays, a parent might be excited about their daughter marrying the next in line to the throne. But Polonius isn't at all. He's concerned about Hamlet, and how he might treat Ophelia. So he demands to know what's going on. What is between you? Give me up the truth. And she replies, He hath, my lord of late, made many tenders of his affection to me. So Hamlet has been saying he loves her, or words to that effect. Ophelia seems quite innocent and quite almost enthusiastic about it. But tenders is the key word here, as Polonius will mock it quite a bit. For Ophelia, it's just an offer of his love. Affection has a rather stronger meaning in the language of this play than the diluted, mild feeling we might ascribe to it today. Affection! Pooh! You speak like a green girl, unsifted in such perilous circumstance. Do you believe his tenders, as you call them? 
Straight away, Polonius is not convinced. Pooh is another exclamation, and it is unique to Polonius and appears nowhere else in Shakespeare. He belittles Ophelia as speaking like a green or inexperienced girl, with no experience in dealing with such matters. He asks if she believes in Hamlet's offerings. Ophelia is at a loss. I do not know, my lord, what I should think. Again, Polonius starts his speak with the expletive Mary. I'm sure there's some kind of a little verbal play here between the Holy Virgin's name and the act that must be all that Ophelia wants to do, but it's not very deep. Mary, I'll teach you. Think yourself a baby that you've tamed these tenders for true pay which are not sterling. Tender yourself more dearly. Or, not to crack the wind of the poor phrase, running it thus, you'll tender me a fool. Polonius himself is aware that he's capable of letting words run away from him. He scolds Ophelia for taking Hamlet's tenders as legal tender, or indeed any kind of financial backing. He manages to squeeze several versions of the word tender into this little speech, essentially telling his daughter to carry herself a little better, or she'll make a fool of her father. Moving forward, Ophelia ups the ante by changing Hamlet's tenders from affection to love. She says the L word. But that will have to wait until the next episode. To close, I just want to mention that in my research for this week, I found a short article from The Spectator, written in 1933, all about Mrs Polonius. It's by Anne Harris, and I hope it's meant to be as funny as I found it. Ms Harris draws five conclusions about the woman from the play, untroubled by any concrete evidence, I might add, and even manages to divine that Mrs Polonius's name is Elizabeth. The final paragraph reads as follows. Polonius's only reference to his wife admirably sums up our final impression of her. A dear, gentle creature, like her daughter Ophelia, essentially sweet, and like her too, finding relief from sorrow in music and vegetables. For the whole text, you can visit thehamletpodcast.com and go to the show notes for this episode. I'll be back again next week when we come to the end of Act 1, Scene 3.